The Bible prophesies that one of the signs of the end times that will identify the season of the Lord's return will be an epidemic of apostasy in the church. We are in the midst of that epidemic today. For proof of that assertion, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. This is the fourth in a series of seven programs we are presenting regarding the signs of the times that indicate that we're living in the season of the Lord's return. All the programs are featuring presentations that were made at our annual Bible conference whose theme was Living on Borrowed Time. If you have missed seeing any of the previous programs, you can find them all on our website at lamblion.com. Again, that address is lamblion.com. I personally kicked off the conference with an overview of the signs of the times. My presentation was designed to lay the foundation for all the other speakers. The second presentation at the conference was delivered by Don McGee, the founder and director of Crown and Sickle Ministries, located in Amite, Louisiana. Don spoke on the importance of the reestablishment of the nation of Israel as a vital sign that we're living in the season of the Lord's return. The third presentation was delivered by Nathan Jones, my colleague here at Lamb and Lion Ministries. Nathan focused his remarks on the development of modern technology. He showed how it was prophesied in the writings of Daniel some 2,500 years ago, and he demonstrated how it is helping us to understand ancient Bible prophecies that no other generation has ever been able to comprehend, a fact that clearly indicates that we're living in the season of the Lord's return. This week, we're going to take a look at the presentation that was made by Dr. Ron Rhodes, the founder and spokesman for a ministry called Reasoning from the Scriptures. It's located in Frisco, Texas. He focused his remarks on the growing apostasy in the church and how it constitutes an important sign that we're living in the season of the Lord's return. Here now is a portion of what Dr. Rhodes had to say. I'm going to be talking about the epidemic of apostasy, and I want to begin by thanking Lamb and Lion Ministries and David Reagan in particular. What a ministry is going on here, don't you think? Wonderful ministry. You know, I want to tell you a story about uh, a young couple, and they went to a movie one day in the middle of the day, and as they drove off, there was somebody watching the house. And he goes around to the back of the house, and he breaks the window. And he's crawling in the back window, and then he hears this voice from a parrot saying, I see you, and Jesus sees you. (laughs) Well, it didn't bother the man, so he kept on breaking his way in, and he's two-thirds of the way in. And the parrot says, I see you, and Jesus sees you. Well, finally, he's all the way in there, and the uh, guy stands up, and he brushes all the glass off himself. And the parrot says, I see you, and Jesus sees you. Attack, Jesus, and this Doberman Pinscher (laughs) This Doberman Pinscher named Jesus mauls the guy, and he guy dies out the window, nobody's ever seen him again. Now that's a different Jesus. But I would like to suggest to you that that Jesus is not as bad as the Jesus of apostasy. 
You see, I say that because you can heal from a dog bite. But if you believe in a counterfeit Jesus who preaches a counterfeit gospel, you've got a counterfeit salvation. It comes down to that just as easy as can be. And that's why these kinds of conferences are so important. Now, my friends, apostasy is a rich word in the Greek. It carries the idea of a departure or a falling away, a forsaking of the truth, a defection from the truth, a revolt from the truth, and a swerving away from the truth. Now, I must pause for a moment and say that this is the after-lunch session. You see, there's going to be a tendency for there to be a departure from consciousness. (laughs) There's going to be a tendency to have a falling away from a waking state. But see, what you want to be careful about is these cameras. You see, if those cameras catch you asleep, you're on TV. Everybody knows it. So don't fall asleep. Now listen, the signs of the time are so critically important. They are prophetic events that uh, point towards the end times. That lets us know that we're living in the season of the Lord's return. You might consider it to be intel in advance. Uh, powerful nations have intelligence agencies like the CIA. And, you know, the Bible provides us with God's intel in advance. And he does this with signs. And the signs of the times are multiple. Now, David Reagan gave, gave us a very helpful categorization yesterday. I've got a slightly different categorization, including Israel, and then technical signs, which we heard about a while ago from Nathan, and then national signs, like all the nations building up to Uh, you know, gang up on Israel, the Muslim nations, and Russia. You've got religious and moral signs, some of which I'm going to talk about today as related to apostasy. And then you've got earth and sky signs, cosmic phenomena. And so I'm not going to touch on all of that today, but I am going to say that apostasy fits into the larger picture of the signs of our times. You see, it would be significant if just one of these signs was coming to pass. More significant still if two of these signs were coming to the pass. But the fact is, is we've got multiple prophetic signs today that are converging in our day. It's what I call the convergence factor. And that leads us to believe that we are indeed living in the season of the Lord's return. Now, here's the thing. We need to be thoughtful observers of the times. Do you remember the ancient Jews? The ancient Jews should have recognized that Jesus was the divine Messiah. You see, back in Isaiah, we are told that when the Messiah comes on the scene... The blind will see, and the deaf will hear, and the lame will walk. Well, what happened when Jesus came on the scene? Well, the blind could see, and the deaf could hear, and so forth. So the Jewish leaders should have been able to see the signs of the times, but they were blind to it. They could tell the weather was going bad by looking at the sky, but they couldn't discern the signs of the times. Now, we we should not make the same mistake. There are many signs of the times pointing toward the second coming of Christ and the events that lead up to the rapture. And what we want to do is to make sure that we're not ignorant of those. We want to understand what the Bible says about the signs that lead up to the rapture so that we're prepared. And that's what this study is all about. Now, I want to be careful here because no one knows the day or the hour. Christ himself told us that. No one knows the day or the hour, but we can know the general season of the Lord's return. Now, my friends, I do insist that we take a biblical approach. Is that okay with you? I've seen a lot of very sensational things about the signs of the times where they read things into the Bible that aren't there. We must take a biblical approach on all of this. 
kind of reminded of that second grade girl who came home from Sunday school one day and she was so excited about what she learned. And so daddy said to her, well, what did you learn in Sunday school? And so the little girl said, oh, daddy, it was just so great because you see, God created Adam first. And then God saw that it was not good for Adam to be alone. So God put Adam to sleep and took out his brains and made a woman of them. (laughs) And all the women said, (laughs) Nah, that's not in the Bible. That's in Second Illusions 3. We must be biblical. My goal today, briefly, will be fourfold. I want to talk about the biblical basis for end times apostasy. Secondly, I want to give you specific examples of apostasy in our day. And then third, I want to look at statistics that reveal the severity of the problem. And then I want to close briefly with an exhortation. So let's just hop right in. Uh, Let's talk about false prophets first. In every age, there have been false prophets. Isn't that a great picture? That says it all. It took me two hours to get that wolf to wear that thing. Yeah. Don't normally go to that trouble, but for David Reagan, I'd do anything. Okay. Hope you appreciate that, my, my friend. Now, false prophets look good, but they're deadly. That's what we see on a lot of TV shows today. That's why I'm glad that uh, Lamb and Lion produces a TV show you can actually trust. You see, But there's a lot of shows out there where you channel surf you can't trust because there's a lot of false prophecy out there. Spiritual deception is in every age. According to 2 Corinthians 11.4, we are warned about uh, those who preach another Jesus and a different spirit and a different gospel. But you see, Scripture gets more specific. It's not just general warnings we want to deal with. We want to look at the specific prophecies that deal with last day's apostasy. And uh, we begin with 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 5. Realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self and lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Now, my friend, David Reagan is exactly right. What we see in this passage, among other things, is humanism, materialism, and hedonism. Lovers of self is humanism. Lovers of money is materialism. And lovers of pleasure is hedonism. And I might mention to you that materialism and hedonism are both part of the humanistic worldview. Now, here's the danger. It's not just adults I'm worried about. I'm worried about our kids. You see, the public school systems have become bastions of humanism. They are religious institutions now teaching the false religion of humanism to our children. This is the kind of garbage that a lot of kids are picking up in their schools. There's also going to be religion without power. And I think that we see that today. There will be the appearance of godliness but denying its power. But you know what? These are counterfeits. Some of these counterfeits might make you feel good as a human and build you up as a human using psychology and other things. But the fact is there's no spiritual power that is there. Kind of reminds me of Jeremiah 2.23. Back in the Old Testament, God told his people, my people have committed two evils. 
They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. You see, they forsook God, but they also came up with counterfeit spiritualities, substitute spiritualities. Now, do we, do we see that today? I think that we do. We see people coming up with their own substitute spiritualities, and it shouldn't be. Second Timothy 4, verses 3 and 5 tells us this. The time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And I like this graphic. Uh, Sugar-coated preaching is dangerous to your soul. You know, this next weekend, I can promise you there's going to be a lot of sugar across this nation on Sunday morning. All across this nation, there's going to be sugar-coated preaching. We need a return to the word of God. Just to give you a couple of examples of not enduring in the truth, Scripture says that there will be denials of God in the end time, 2 Timothy 3, verses 4 and 5. Denials of Christ, 2 Corinthians eleven four. Denials of Christ's return, 2 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4. Denials of the faith, 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. Denials of sound doctrine, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. Denials of morals, we've got a moral crisis, 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 8. And denials of authority, you know, especially among our young, 2 Timothy 3, 4. Now, in sum, this is what we're going to see in the end times according to this brief survey of Scripture. There's going to be false prophets that seem like true prophets, False gospels contrary to the biblical gospel. False concepts of Jesus Christ. Substitute spiritualities. A departure from sound teaching. The embracing of religious myths. A form of godliness without true spiritual power. Humanism, materialism, and hedonism. And that's bad news. That is bad news. And that's what we're going to focus on. I'm going to give you some actual examples. But let me just emphasize that this description of this kind of apostasy taken in conjunction with the other signs of the times adds emphasis to the fact that the day is drawing near. We're not far away, I don't believe. Professor at Dallas Seminary, where I attended, put it this way, those of us who, fo- uh, those of us who will follow Christ and his word as opposed to the rising emphasis upon religious experience will increasingly become a smaller group until one day Uh, We will be on the outside of the American evangelical church looking in. This is what we are en route to as I speak. Now, I want to give you a sampling of the evidence. And I say sampling on purpose because if I was going to give you a full exposition, we would be here till midnight. Now, David Reagan has not given me till midnight. So I'm going to be quick and I'm going to summarize some of the big points. And let's begin with the Bible. You see, foundational uh, foundationally, there's been an undermining of the Bible. It began with the higher criticism that came into this country in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And at that time, uh, basically, enlightenment thought was applied to the Bible. And inspiration and the inerrancy of Scripture were rejected out of hand. Scripture writers were considered mere editors that spliced together earlier man-made documents. And basically, the Bible was not viewed as the word of God, but rather was the, the word of man. And by the way, the miracles were deemed a myth. It's like they took scissors and started to just cut those miracles right out of the Bible. Fast forward to today, Bart Ehrman, a a, uh, person who studied at Moody and Wheaton. Then he went to Princeton and got all messed up. 
But he says that the New Testament manuscripts have many mistakes. This is a guy that went to Moody and to Wheaton. Human fingerprints are all over the Bible, he says. The idea of an inerrant Bible is denied. It gets worse. Here's the Jesus Seminar. I'm looking at John Dominic Croissant, and I don't just read their books. I go to hear him in person. I've actually sat under his lectures and, and listened to what he had to say. And he, among others at the Jesus Seminar, say that the New Testament is unreliable. And of the many statements in the Gospels attributed to Jesus, only 18% were likely uttered by him. Jesus didn't say the majority of what the New Testament said he said, and nearly all of Jesus' sayings in John's Gospel are judged inauthentic. He didn't say those things. Even Christian theologians are combating the Bible now. There's a book written and published just last year by my friend Norman Geisler. It's called Defending Inerrancy. And in this book, sadly, he documents a number of evangelical scholars who are publishing books that undermine the inerrancy and inspiration of Scripture. My friends, it should not be. It should not be, but it is happening. The Bible bashers are now within the gate. Now, here's the thing. Once the Bible is undermined, the domino effect occurs. You see, all the other doctrines begin to fall. After the Bible is undermined, that means all other doctrines of the Bible are undermined. For example, today, there are some Christians who are saying that God is not all-powerful and all-knowing. That explains the power or the problem of evil. You see, evil is so bad in our world that we must conclude that God is a good God, but he's just not strong enough to bring about a good world. So God is not all-powerful. In terms of salvation, lots of Christians today are now claiming that Jesus might not be the only way. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Jesus, well, some Christians are saying that Jesus was not perfect, that he made mistakes while he was on this earth. So, you know, these are the kinds of things that we're seeing penetrate the church. Here's a man you've seen in the news. His name is Jerry DeWitt. He's been in almost every newspaper in the country. He was a pastor in the Bible Belt. And the problem of evil disturbed him. And so he came to believe that there is no God. That is apostasy. He joined up with a group that has become very popular online called the Clergy Project. And based on their website, we read that it is a confidential online community for active and former clergy who do not hold supernatural beliefs. It helps members move beyond their former faith. And it also helps them to come out aiding them in how to tell their families that they no longer believe. Another very popular website is Recovering from Religion. On their website, we read, if you are one of the many people who have determined that religion no longer has a place in their life, but are still dealing with the after effects in some way or another, Recovering from Religion may be just the right spot for you. The primary focus of recovering from religion is to provide ongoing and personal support to individuals as they let go of religious beliefs. Now, my friends, the very fact that there is a market for these kind of organizations tells you that there's an apostasy taking place. Many former pastors are joining up with this kind of thing. Also, we have to look at the weakened view of the Bible and the effect that that has on the Bible reading habits of some people. Now, I know I'm about to step on some toes probably. And if I'm about to step on some toes, I apologize in advance, but I must speak the truth of the Lord here. Can I do that? Fact is, the shack is full of problems. You know, it's a book that is so incredibly popular, and it is inspirational when you read it, but it's wrong. 
We've got bookstores lining up to sell this book. And I don't blame them. I know it's making them a lot of money, but just look at some of the problems. Uh, a book, by the way, endorsed by Eugene Peterson, who uh, you know, uh, put together the Message Bible. He said that uh, it has the potential to do for our generation what John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress did for his. I don't think so. I don't think so. The book communicates that traditional Christian teaching and Sunday prayers and hymns and a traditional approach to Christianity are all wrong. Uh, The Trinity, you know, the Father is a large, beaming African-American woman. Jesus is a Middle Eastern, dressed like a laborer, complete with two belt and gloves, and the Holy Spirit is named Sarayu, a small, distinctively Asian woman. That's tritheism. That's not Trinitarianism. This is putting the Trinity into three people. That is heresy. William Young, the author, argues that we should forget our preconceived notions about God, forget your seminary training, that God appears to us in whatever form we personally need. Christianity, he says, has to be revised in order to be understood. How dare any human being say that Christianity, which is based upon revelation from God Almighty, say that Christianity must be revised. Boy, I hesitate to think about William Young at the judgment when God says, what's this about a revision? You know, what's going on there? Uh, Personal experience is supreme in this book. It communicates that personal experience trumps revelation. If you've got problems, you don't go to the Bible, you go to your experience, and experience is used uh, to interpret the Bible instead of the Bible being used to interpret Scripture. As for sin, Papa, or the Father, says this, I am not who you think I am. I don't need to punish people for sin. Sin is its own punishment, devouring you from the inside. It is not my purpose to punish it. It's my joy to cure it. Well, I agree that God's carrying it, but God does punish sin. In fact, unbelievers will be punished for all eternity in a politically incorrect place that we call hell, okay? (laughs) There's a false view of incarnation here. Listen to this. Instead of Jesus indwelling or coming in the flesh, we've got the entire Trinity coming. When we three spoke ourselves into human existence as the Son of God, we became fully human. We also chose to embrace all the limitations that this entailed. Even though we have always been present in this universe, we now became flesh and blood. And then in terms of salvation, Christ is just the best way to relate to the Father, not the only way. So I'm sorry, you know, the fact is, is that Christian bookstores should not be selling this book. It leads me to believe that there are landmines in Christian bookstores today, and innocent people walk in there thinking they're safe, but they step on a landmine and the whole thing blows up. See, it's dangerous. That's why we need discernment, like at these conferences. And then there is Christian Wicca. Christian Wicca. We are witnessing this among our teens today, which involves a blending of witchcraft and Christianity. One young Christian Wiccan said this. It's a young teenage girl who said, I started studying the book Earth Power, which is by Witch Scott Cunningham, and started to dabble in some of its practices and a few others. I purchased the craft by Dorothy Morrison and Wicca, a guide for the solitary practitioner by Cunningham, and found myself in a faith I could truly hold dear to my heart. How deceived. She did say that I did, however, feel somewhat empty still, Jesus has been a part of my life for almost three years and has helped me become who I am today. I started looking into Christian Wicca then. Then she says, I follow the Wiccan read. That's their ethical principle that says you shouldn't harm anybody. 
but also take the Ten Commandments to heart greatly. You shall not hold any gods before me. This is one that people really don't get when it comes to my beliefs. I believe that there is only one true God and that all other gods are part of the one. The Christian Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is also somewhat a reflection of this. I view it as God, goddess, or the feminine quality of God, and Jesus as all still being part of one being. You know, so that's a big problem among our teens today. And then, as if that wasn't enough, we've got Chrislam making its way into our midst, which says that Christianity and Islam are compatible, that both the Bible and the Quran are holy texts, that there are similar teachings between the two on morals and ethics, and that we worship the same God. You know, they'll say that we both worship the God of Abraham, and therefore we worship the same God. Now, my friends, is that true? Absolutely not. Uh, the, the Quran and Muslims will tell you that there is no such thing as the Trinity, that that's heresy, and that Jesus is absolutely not God. How dare anyone claim that anyone is Allah's equal? You see, so this is just a bunch of linguistic nonsense trying to argue that Christianity and Islam are compatible. They absolutely are not compatible. What you have just seen is only a portion of the presentation that Ron Rhodes made at our conference. The entire presentation is contained in this video album titled Living on Board Time. In just a moment, our announcer will tell you how you can get a copy of the album. Dr. Rhodes continued in his presentation to talk about Christian psychics, Christian mystics, and the efforts to merge Christianity with Hinduism and Islam. He also spoke extensively about the apostate emergent church movement. Next week, the Lord willing, we will present a portion of the presentation made by Alan Franklin concerning the prophetic significance of the emergence of the European Union. Mr. Franklin is a newspaper editor from London, England. And now, here are some closing comments from Dr. Ron Rhodes. Uh, my closing is simply this. Be sober-minded and be watchful and be firm in your faith. It's a simple statement, but it says it all, doesn't it? Be sober-minded, be watchful, and be firm in your faith. And I might add, never give up. Fight the good fight of the faith and never give up. Contend for the faith that were once for all delivered to the saints and never give up. That is what I desire for every person here. And I want to just leave a bit of good news with you. Soon, you and I will be in the AFZ. The AFZ. That's the apostasy free, free zone. You see. That's right. One day, you and I will live in the New Jerusalem, the eternal city of God, which will come down from heaven onto a new earth. We will have resurrected bodies, and we will live in a resurrected universe. And the word apostasy will not even be in the dictionary. Get your DVD copy of the 2013 Lamb and Lion Bible Conference, Living on Borrowed Time, for a gift of $25 or more, plus the cost of shipping. The DVD album contains three DVDs, which contain all six featured speakers. In addition to Dr. David Reagan's presentation, you'll receive Nathan Jones speaking on the end-time sign of technology. Ron Rhodes addresses the sign of apostasy in the church. Don McGee emphasizes the prophetic significance of Israel. Alan Franklin discusses the rise of the European Union, and Pastor Robert Jack 
Sheffer speaks on the impending implosion of America. Dr. David Reagan's DVD, The New Age Movement, is available for a gift of $12 or more, plus the cost of shipping. Get both the Living on Borrowed Time video album and the New Age Movement DVD for a gift of $30 or more, plus the cost of shipping, by requesting special offer number 584. To place your order, call the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, or order online at landlion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 